welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. Tonight we are going to be talking about the new swashbuckling picture known as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Ah, yes. And quite frankly, it's about time because this movie's been out for a week. It is. We're Yeah, it has been out like a week. Yeah, we're a little behind, but uh, which is why we felt like we could safely make this a spoiler review. So sorry for all of you who are like, well, now I can't listen to it. We just encourage you to see it and then listen to this. Yeah, I'm going to spoil something right now. The new King Arthur movie bombed. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, because uh, I was actually looking forward to that. I had kind of cautious kinda. expectations, but I wasn't surprised when it bombed. Yeah, I don't know why, but everything, anything King Arthur related, I was kind of get interested in. Yeah, like I wanted to like the uh, last one they did, you know, back I don't know, twelve years ago, that Clive Owen one, the Last Legion. No, the last King Arthur oh, type oh, movie yeah. they did that where Clive Owen was King Arthur, except he was not. King Arthur. He was a Roman soldier called Arturius or something. But uh, yeah, that one didn't quite work either. I don't know. But tonight we're going to talk a movie about a movie that mostly did work. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Mostly? Uh, mostly? What? I mean, no movie's <laughs> perfect. Cinema Sins reminds us of that every week. I, <laughs> I noticed they've never done The Godfather. Thank you. <laughs> He's too scared. It would be it'd be too that would be long not because there'd be so many sins, it'd be long since it's a long movie. <laughs> so So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two obviously is a sequel to the first Guardians of the Galaxy that came out three summers ago and was uh an early August movie. Did extremely well, made like seven hundred and some million dollars. Wasn't quite a billion dollar movie for Marvel. <laughs> No, they didn't care. They were glad it was a hit, and we were all glad it was a hit, too, because it was fun, and we were hoping to see these characters again, and here we are three years later, where they got to be the starting of summer movie, as we kind of think of May. Yeah, I feel like... I kind of feel like they weren't really betting on the original Guardians of the Galaxy being as popular as it was, because they released it in August when... I think at the time, the only thing else they had going up against it was straight out of Compton in that uh, month. Well, it's probably the other, like, talked about movie yeah. that would have been that month that year. Yeah. Yeah, man, was straight out of Compton was that long ago? Yeah, it's been a while. Huh. Yeah, and that was kind of the 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 year of the Pratt. He had Lego movie <laughs> earlier that year. Then he had Guardians of the Galaxy at the end of summer, which were both hugely successful. And then, of course, the next summer he did Jurassic World, which was hugely successful for that franchise. And it, all those really kickstarted his career. And so now this gave us a chance to see how he could continue the Star-Lord character. But then you're also interested in how they were just going to take what was such a bizarre kind of gamble of a movie that ended up being working and be like, can this work in a sequel? You know, it could, but then you were kind of afraid, like, oh, were they going to just be like, well, the first one was kind of weird, so this one's got to be, we got to go weirder, because that's happened before. I was trying to think of an example, because I was like, man, there's a movie I remember watching where the sequel, they went too quirky, because the first one was kind of known for being quirky, and for the life of me, I couldn't remember what it was. I was trying to remember for this podcast, for this specific reason because 
they treaded carefully with this movie, I thought, with keeping the quirkiness but not going so far where it just got, like, what is even happening, I guess. I think part of it, the big part of it is really James Gunn is kind of, seems to really be in control for the most part. It's not like, oh, here's the script, go direct it. No, he's actually, like, planning it out, writing it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, and I do wonder what, because you kind of hear Joss Whedon carefully talk about his relationship with Marvel, and it seems like Age of Ultron, he was just like beaten down. He just felt almost like he was defeated. Whereas James Gunn, I feel like he's given more liberty. Do you think it's because this is kind of an offshoot movie, Lies. whereas they had to be more careful with how they treated? The tentpole characters? That must be... Like I said, I don't think they really cared about this movie from the get-go. Well, this one, though, I mean, because this one does have importance to the continuing Marvel Universe. Yeah, it does, but at the same time, it's really not... This isn't, like, an Iron Man movie or a Thor movie. I mean, true. you know, we... Yeah, it's true. I guess the things in it were more, like, nods and hints and stuff than than truly carrying on the... Yeah, I think this is probably one of the the few Marvel movies where you're not going to see, like... You're obviously not going to see Star-Lord hanging out with Tony Stark or anything (laughs) like that. It's just kind of more of a self-contained series in this bigger universe which you know is is okay i mean mm-hmm. not not everyone's got to hang out with everyone else I no mean, i understand yeah that's what i found refreshing about the first movie was that it did stand on its own two feet uh it wasn't relying on the other characters to hold it you know hold it in place either which you know like that's what a lot of people i think are worried about this spider-man movie coming out this summer is that Marvel has to keep telling people it's not an Iron Man movie because everybody is worried that they're using, which is ironic since Iron Man or Spider-Man used to be his own successful franchise where now everybody thinks that you need Iron Man to hold up Spider-Man, whereas it would have used to have been the opposite of that. But, yeah. So... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. What are some things from the first one that we knew they were going to get into this one? Well, obviously the big one is getting into Peter Quill's father. There's hints to um, Yondu. You find out in the first movie that Yondu was supposed to have gotten Peter and taken him to his father, but never did. And this movie kind of gets into the whys of that. and you And really... The beginning of this movie starts out with, uh, I think it's supposed to take place a couple months after the first one, yeah. which is important to the timeline. So this movie is still taking place in 2014 in the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline. And first off, I just loved how this movie started with them on a mission, one of their missions to be the Guardians. And then they have a Groot dance sequence be the opening credits. And the fighting's in the background of, of Baby Groot just doing that dance. I thought that was pretty great. And I think that really set up the humor and fun of this movie. Like, we're just going to have fun with this movie and things like that. But you also get this flashback to 1980. And they apparently went back in time and brought Kurt Russell 
from 1980 to the present <laughs> because it looks exactly like young Kurt Russell. Yeah, there's... probably the best de aging I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, you see Kurt Russell with uh... oh, I can't remember the actress who was uh, played Peter Quill's mother. Um, essentially, before Qu- Peter Quill was born, and you kind of get an a small, just a little inkling of what uh, what Eco's plan was all along. I mean, he he comes he comes across. It's Kurt Russell. He comes across as being a pretty cool guy, but it's like eh, you have this other plan. I see. Well, you're trying to figure out like why would he have. What's up with this alien flower he planted on Earth? You kind of see this. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's He seems like he's he's really nice. He's really happy-go-lucky. You can tell he's seems legitimately in love with Peter's mother, Meredith, or whatever. But, of course, we know from the beginning of the first movie that she dies from a brain tumor. And then that's the whole... You know why Ego try, wanted Peter to, to come to him at that point or whatever, but of course didn't. And so you kind of get into that, like why didn't Yondu follow through with what he's doing? And that was the other interesting thing about this movie is you really get to know Yondu better. And he becomes uh, one of the bigger kind of character arcs of the movie, I would even say like i would take it a step further and say he's the hero of the movie really you really could say that you really could say that and i remember we did warn you this is gonna this is a spoiler review and so i think you could safely say in a lot of ways i mean i mean he's mary poppins y'all <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome buddy yeah <laughs> i i i do love i completely missed it because we i have a poster sitting in my living room uh for guardians of the galaxy and I completely forgot that they were actually going to do his mohawk the way it was in the comics. Yeah, where he has like a bigger mohawk and then they make a they make an excuse, so to speak, in this movie where his mohawk, his ro- cybernetic mohawk, whatever you want to call it, breaks and he has to wear the old prototype. That's the big the big one. And so it was pretty cool to see him like that. And I thought Rooker pulled that off pretty sweet. Yeah. He looked pretty awesome with the big mohawk. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So this movie, really the overarching thing, theme of the whole movie is family. You have the Guardians that are kind of their own family unit that there's this, especially between Rocket and Star-Lord, kind of this tension about, <laughs> in a lot of ways, who's in charge and who's better. Um, they both just have kind of abrasive personalities. Well, maybe Rocket more so abrasive, but Peter always trying to like want to be the best or whatever. And Rocket just being like, oh, you're full of it, you know, and things like that. And, uh, you have Drax basically just having a good time, (laughs) you know, and, and of course baby Groot is just, uh, he's a baby. That's what's hilarious about baby Groot is. They're basically taking a baby with them on all these missions. <laughs> and so they had a lot of fun with that, too. And so you have that family unit. Like, how are we getting along? Or, you know, them trying to figure out themselves. And then pretty early on in the movie, a lot earlier than I thought, Ego slash Kurt Russell finds Peter. And I didn't realize that was going to be such a big part of this movie. Did you? Where 
so quickly in the movie he would come to him and say, I'm your father. I want you to come back. I want to show you kind of where I'm from and let you, you know, kind of let you meet me type thing. Did you realize that was going to be such a big part of this movie? I really wondered about it because um, essentially in all the promo stuff for this movie, you never, you never got like who was the villain. So I figured he would have to kind of show up pretty early on at some point. Yeah. Well, and, and I figured he would be the villain, but I thought it was going to be, and I'm kind of glad it was the way it was because it wasn't a rush third act villain, which is kind of what Marvel is pretty good at doing. Like all of a sudden it's like, I'm the bad guy, you know, or something like that. Like, uh, even the first Iron Man. Yeah. It was like, yeah, you knew Obadiah was skeevy or whatever, but all of a sudden he's in a suit and fighting Tony where it just seemed like all of a sudden they just needed to have this big battle at the end. And, uh, of course, that's that's what I think is the weirdest twist in the movie Frozen. Spoiler alert for Frozen. <laughs> Whereas where all of a sudden out of the blue, he's been playing her the whole movie. And he's the bad guy now. And Yeah, I mean, that just happens a lot in movies. Um, so it was nice that you got to know Ego and almost be, like, trusting of him. And Peter kind of falling for the charms of his father and being like, this is so cool, I can play catch with my dad now, and, you know, all these things. And then you kind of have this slow progression into uneasiness about Ego, which which Gamora seems to be the first one of the group who kind of senses that. Um, And... You know, kind of that whole thing. And then through the midst of this, we get introduced to some new um, new characters. This one whole people group called the Sovereign, which is another enemy of the in the movie because basically because they're the Guardians are doing a mission for them. And then Rocket steals <laughs> from them because Rocket is still apparently following his philosophy from the first movie. What if I want it more? <laughs> His his thievery. Like, is it really thievery if I want it more? <laughs> yeah, he steals something with really no reason to have stole these things other than the fact that they may be valuable. They they may be valuable. They were shiny. <laughs> and he's Rocket. So it ends up kind of making an enemy out of the Sovereign who are pretty easy to become enemies of since they think so highly of themselves and think everyone else is below them. You know, this, this crossed my mind while I was watching the movie. They kind of came across as being like... Nazis. Like, you know, there's a whole line that they, they genetically altered their line to be the best that they could be. Yeah. It was with a, their gold skin, blonde hair, blue. I was like, these are Nazis. It was kind of Nazis mixed with the really rich people who live down the road <laughs> in your town, in the rich part of town or something. But yeah, or if you watch uh, Parks and Rec, these are the people who lived in Eagleton, <laughs> the town next to them where everybody's perfect. And oh, God. <laughs> And things like that. Whereas Pawnee is overweight and has diabetes and and fast food joints or whatever. But, uh, you know, normal town. <laughs> uh, and then Ego has this, lives on this planet that he made himself. You kind of get more into, you know, more his entity of who he is. But he has this one person who, who lives with him called Mantis. And it's kind of another new character you're introduced to who's played by a girl I had never heard of before, but I think had been in a few things I have seen. When I, when I saw her, what the actress actually looks like, I was a little blown away because 
the way she's portrayed in the movie, she kind of comes off as being uh, played by an Asian actress. I don't know if that's racist or anything. She is Asian in real life. She is Asian. Is she? Yep. Oh. You're not racist. She's Asian. You're racist for not thinking she was Asian. <laughs> but no, she just she just kind of came up. And then I saw her because she has blonde hair and blue eyes. I was like, what? So I was a little taken aback, but definitely, uh, definitely thought she was kind of an interesting fit with this because most of her scenes are spent with Drax, which is like, I mean, I love the character of Drax, but it's it's kind of hard to find someone to, to kind of relate to him. Yeah, and then Mantis's thing is is she can sense your emotions and then also in a way calm you and give you peace, which is really why Ego has her own because she helps him go to sleep or something, I believe. Yeah. And so there's kind of this this whole thing with that. And so Drax just thinks it's a fun party game where he's like, <laughs> when she touches people and sense their feelings, he just laughs. He's like, he just, or she just said your innermost secrets. And he's just laughing. And he's like, do me next, do me next. <laughs> he's like a little girl at a slumber party around Mantis, which is really funny. But, uh, that was kind of a unexpected thing. I mean, Drax was funny in the first one, but Drax was hilarious <laughs> in this one. And all he did the whole movie is like, just laugh and, bash into things i don't know but he's just kind of an interesting character i think dave batista honestly just got finally got comfortable in the role i mean when he first got the role i don't think was that his first movie role ever i know he was pretty ecstatic to have i mean i think it was more or less yeah more or less his first movie it probably wasn't his first first movie but i think it was his first major type role because i think he was in Riddick. I was trying to remember. He was in he was in the movie Riddick with Vin Diesel. Hmm. And then he had done Scorpion King three, which is like a straight to video thing. And he'd done some other TV things, other straight to video stuff. But this was like his real big, kind of st- more or less starring, maybe more co-starring role was Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. So, yeah, yeah. But Dakota, where? How do you, where, like, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to word this here. Okay. Did you, what were your, okay, like, the pros of this movie. What do you think were the biggest pro? What do you think were the things going for this? Because obviously you seem to have liked it quite a bit. Yes. What, what things did you think made this movie work the best? Like, was it, like, what, what were the, what was the alchemy formula that made this movie really good to you? Oh, man, that is a tough question because there's a lot of answers to it. Um. Uh, so many things, you know, just the individual guardians by themselves. I mean, I don't think there was a, a wa- anything got wasted. There was no wasted scenes on anybody. Um, if anything, there probably could have been more. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the character that played, uh, or the character's name, uh, Gamora's sister. Oh yeah. Nebula. Yeah. Nebula. No, Nebula a little more in this movie. I thought surprisingly she was uh they kind of went deep into her backstory in this too. Yondu was great kind of you, you know his whole backstory and you find out that apparently he's been banished by the other other ravengers and to kind of see Sylvester Stallone in a movie like this it was a kind of took you back but not like jarring 
But like, oh man, why don't why don't we get a movie like him in his A Day? Which I'm just now realizing that's a ter- probably be a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, th- <laughs> you're right though. I think why this movie works so well is that they're as far as like the characters that you followed the most in this movie that kind of were the ones that mattered the most. I don't know how how to put it that way. They were all really well fleshed out. Like every single one was really well fleshed out. Like even, even Nebula who wouldn't have been a main, I mean, she was kind of main, but not kind of not main. You know what I mean? A little bit of a supporting character was really well fleshed out and had a few scenes where even though she was still emotionless because that's who Nebula is, which kind of you could say makes her one-dimensional, but at the same time, you felt for her and you felt the moment when she talked about all I wanted was a sister. Like, even though you could still see, like, there's a certain amount of... She had lost kind of certain amount of emotions that that emotion was coming back when she was thinking about you were just trying to always win and all I wanted was a sister, you know, like there were so many moments like that in the midst of even like the funny moments that I was like, wow, that was really well done, you know? And, uh, it just kind of, kind of takes you back to like, I liked age of Ultron, but you realize that that movie did have a lot of missed opportunities that this movie got right as far as when the characters interacted with each other and how how this movie could play so much of it for fun and yet still have it be meaningful maybe would be a way to go. And so, um, yeah, I thought that really, really worked really well. And then um, it was kind of fun to get to see uh, more to Rocket even. Like in the first one, he had the scene where you realize that he just he kind of loses it talking about he was like an experiment or something gone wrong in a sense. But in this one where you just get a little, there's like a few moments with him and Yondu that were really good where there's almost like they kind of have a moment of relating to each other, yeah. which I thought was really cool. There was like a lot of just moments like that. but And so, I mean, I thought the, the character work in this movie was really good. Now, like we said, there was a lot of humor in this. How'd you feel? Did you like, uh, did you like the humor in it for the most part? Or did you think it was too much or, or, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't distracting or over the top or too, too comedic. I mean, you know, Ant-Man kind of, kind of had that scene that ruined like a pretty emotional part of it. I mean, sure. It was worth a laugh, but, you're like, hey, at the same time, it just kind of ruined ruined a, a, yeah. a, a moment in the film. Right. And there's none of that in here. Um, you know, the more I think about it, it's just this movie was so emotional. Yeah, and, and you're right. I think the balance between funny moments and the moments where there was a little more of a a meaningful thing. There was a good balance there. And then when you went from maybe one to the other, it didn't feel jarring. Like that was my biggest kind of pet peeve. We didn't review this movie with fantastic beast was, it was like, it would just jump from goofy to dark in a matter of seconds. And it was really jarring. 
and and it was kind of like whoa we're all of a sudden here and then whoa we're there and it was like Wah. whereas i didn't i didn't feel like it didn't feel so jarring when it happened in this movie because it was more um natural to the events i guess i would say uh as far as the first movie everyone really see, liked the visual look of it and i thought this movie they even just took that to the next level I thought I think it's really cool. These movies kind of have a way to find that retro, that retro feel, but still feel kind of fresh and new. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and so I thought this one it just took that retro to the next level, but still felt fresh, which was really cool to see. I mean, even the way they did the logo at the beginning, where they had like the volume two come up as like neon, you know, and things like that. <laughs> yeah, where just like those touches that made it gave it those nuances of like of. 80s and things like that but at the same time just kind of seemed fresh and original and so and again do you think that's james gunn i really do think it's 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 all due to him really i mean i think joss whedon you know we kind of brought him up already but and kind of john favreau too they were kind of given like a list of demands like okay we want you to do this we want you to do that we want you want to essentially a bigger a bigger you know movie than the one you did before and it's got you got to you got to have more emotion and all this other stuff and and it could unless it's done right it could really go under yeah but this one actually was just on par with the first one. Well, I, mean, I was trying to think about that, you know, because you know that you know that that happened, and and in a lot of ways, you could say this movie was bigger. Yeah, but at the same time, it didn't. You didn't walk away going, "Well, that movie is just just bigger." <laughs> you know, like that's kind of how you feel about some of the other sequels, where it's like, "Well, that was just bigger." Like, what what would you say about the movie? Well, it was bigger, you know, but this movie maybe was bigger, but you didn't think about how it was bigger as much. Because it balanced those other things better. You know, it kinda it played through all of it a little a little better than like I said, Age of Ultron. I like it, but it was kind of a mess at the same time. Yeah, you know, it's it, I mean there's a there's a reason Joss Witter's no longer on Twitter essentially or on it, any social it, media. Yeah, and even outlet. like or Iron Man two, I think a, a lot of the problems people have with that movie is that Favreau just kind of went bigger but it didn't really accomplish anything too much when you think about that movie you could pull it out and it really wouldn't affect anything in the universe too much yeah unfortunately too much anyway uh now as far as things maybe you didn't like in this movie do you have anything that was like eh, i could have done without or i wish that would have been different or uh, anything like that uh a couple things i mean i'm trying to think of the song it gets used in the the movie quite a bit uh the whole mandy you're a fine oh, girl uh, yeah i i feel like they could have dialed that back the, the song about the sailor well they they turned <laughs> yeah. it into like Ego's reasoning of why he didn't come back to Meredith Quill. Mm, yeah. Know? And but, so it kind of, yeah. But I know what you mean. It was like, eh. Yeah, but they used it, I think, about three separate times in the movie. Yeah, it's like, for sure. For sure. It's like, it's, it's a little on the annoying side. Um, yeah, that and Ego's plan, to me, really didn't make any sense. Like, okay, these he puts these <laughs> flowers on these plants. They take root. 
And then when he quote unquote activates them, they they kind of release this cloud, and it's like, what does this cloud do? There was a little bit of pseudoscience there that was a little <laughs> little muddied. Yes, yeah. It's like, does is it a poisonous cloud? Does it uh, does it eat the skin off people? Does it? Uh, yeah. Is he is he eating these planets, or is he just like? connecting them together as an energy source yeah i was a little unclear on what that yeah. was too because ego traditionally eats planets doesn't he um or does he just suck the energy from them i thought it was he sucked the energy maybe i'm thinking of, of galactus because galactus eats oh yes he actually does eat planets <laughs> I, maybe i'm mixing up ego and galactus uh anyway what was i going um you know i was i was okay accepting some things about ego i was okay accepting the fact that he started off as a floating brain in space and yeah eventually like had this planet built up around him and yeah you kind of just if you were willing to i think all that other stuff was able to fall into place as you had the thing you had to originally buy in with ego was were you okay with him being a floating brain for millions of years <laughs> and i think if you were okay with that everything else kind of maybe fell into place <laughs> yeah well i'm not buying it okay well i mean yeah right but it was it was a little too much to buy it's like i need some explaining here people uh my my couple things that i didn't like go deep spoiler so if you don't if you're been listening so far and haven't seen it oh i was eh, gonna maybe I was this gonna... is a deep spoiler oh do you have something else yeah sorry um, one of the end credit scenes i i took issue with which one um, the one that involved the uh, the race of space Nazis, when when they they subtly hint at this character named Adam Warlock, yeah, who's, oh, who's supposed to be you know the the foil for Tha- Thanos, yeah, and I just kind of felt it was a little unnecessary, and just kind of like it was almost like Lord of the Rings, where it's like, can we just end this? <laughs> like, just end this? Yeah, I wasn't. Because the thing with that is, is there's no way Adam Warlock's going to be in Infinity War, so yeah. it felt unnecessary. I don't know. Maybe that was just supposed to be the setup for Volume Three. Yeah, there was there was one subtle nod to the to uh, the Thor movie, and that's you see, you know, the the rock a race of the rock monsters that are going to be in that movie fighting it out. And you also see uh, Goldblum's character during the credits dancing. Yeah, the Grandmaster, which I thought was really funny that because. Uh, if you look at Goldblum's kind of hair and lip line, he l- looks a lot like the Collector. And there's there's hints that him and the Collector could be brothers. Yeah, I think it was like that in the comics or something. Okay. Which would, I mean, they're having them dress similar. <laughs> yeah. So that could still be a possibility that that could be another connection point, which is yeah. maybe why they threw the Grandmaster into these credits. Yeah, and one more thing got to me, and... This is me just kind of being a little bit of a nerd. I feel like James Gunn is kind of kind of tries to appease appease the fans a little too much because Stan Lee's cameo in this, where we finally see the Watchers. That's a this alien race that all they literally do, just watches. Yeah, they watch you. They watch you use the bathroom. They watch you. They watch you go mow the yard. They watch you defeat an alien race and not, you know. If you to... ever, if you guys watch Fringe, they're like the observers in Fringe, where they watch but they're not supposed to interfere. Yeah, yeah, they won't, they won't help you out in any way, shape, or form. Of course, if you watched Fringe, you realize that that's the problem. Is one of them does interfere? Yeah. Spoiler for Fringe. <laughs> but uh, apparently, the Stanley cameo in this is supposed to be a nod to a fan theory 
Yeah, and, and this was one of my problems. Yeah, I and, hated that. And the the idea is that in every Stanley cameo, which I'm assuming is excluding the uh, the Fantastic Four yeah. movie and in Deadpool and the X Men movies and the X Men movies. Yeah, the idea is that he's essentially the same guy, but he's he's keeping tabs on all these people. Um, he's basically an informant for the Watchers. Yeah, and there was a little you know tip of the hat little wink to that idea and some a lot of people found it funny and i was just like i don't know i i was just annoyed with it a little bit yeah this was the this cam well first off the end credit stanley thing is the second stanley cameo where they go back to him in this space helmet thing and it's him talking to the watchers and it points at this where they're sending him to these places to be in the informant for them where it's all connected but I was already annoyed by Stanley's first cameo. It was the first time I didn't like his cameo in the movie. I felt it was just like didn't fit. Like where he's just like it felt really stuck in. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where it, I don't know, maybe it's run its course. Kind of like with <laughs> uh, Wolverine and X-Men Apocalypse. It's like, you guys shoothorn him in enough? Can we just be done? <laughs> Can I just see an X-Men movie without Wolverine? Yeah, or at least try it. I think they're just afraid to try it. Yeah, it's like, can, can Stan, is like, he getting paid for these, or is he doing them on his own? Yeah, I don't know. I just know we got to bear through it for four <laughs> more since he's filmed four more. Oh, good Lord. He already filmed them because he's probably going to die soon because he's like almost 100. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. That was one of the things. Um, so yeah, I didn't really care for the, the Stanley things in this. And and I guess another another thing I struggle with, well, I didn't like, there was another cameo I didn't like, Howard the Duck. I thought that was a stupid cameo where they just kind of flashed and had him say something to a girl, and I thought it was dumb. Yeah, I'd probably be a little a little less irate with that if it wasn't Seth Green doing the voice. <laughs> I'm immediately irritated every time Seth Green it really pops It really sounded like Seth Green in this yeah. movie, not so much in the, the first time around. It doesn't help that I had to be one of the few people who, one of the few nerds growing up who didn't love the Howard the Duck movie. It's like one of those things you had to love. Yeah, I don't know why. It's terrible. It, it was. It's one of those things that George Lucius, Lucas did that people... Or even George Lucius. <laughs> <laughs> George Luscious. Oh, God. All right, you gone too far. George Double Chin Luscious. It's just one of those things he he did, and it has this <laughs> cult following like like a Warlock or THX-138. Just And it's like, why? It was so bad. And then the interspecies erotica was just completely off-putting. Uh, it was just it was bizarre. Yeah, I worked with a guy back in the day who was obsessed with that movie and was like you gotta watch it i think i made it 20 minutes before i was like i was really just like i can't take it anymore i was i was actually um i think i saw it on somebody had gave me like the vhs copy. this one vhs were going out Okay. Going out of style. <laughs> so it would be about, I don't know, what, uh, 15 years ago maybe? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I I watched it. And I was like, the moment I saw duck boobs, I was like, I'm out, guys. I'm out. I'm <laughs> oh, out. Boy. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. So I guess uh, 
there yeah, just a few of those things. But again, they weren't major parts of the movie, so you can kind of get over it, I guess. But I don't know. My other big thing was, I don't know. I think maybe there was a little too many sexual references that were just kind of almost kind of out of place and things like that. But I don't know. It was kind of weird like that. But uh, I did like the reference to Cheers, though. That was cool. Oh yeah, that was actually pretty funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot about that. But I, I, I guess I just really enjoyed the culmination of this movie like when they brought it when they brought it together at the end how the team came they kind of came back in and just uh the whole peter ego thing just kind of what happened there and and uh i thought chris pratt you really got to see in the first one i think i felt like he was still kind of playing chris pratt whereas in this one i think you got to see him act a little bit more you kind of when he's when he kind of came full circle and understanding ego and what ego was doing and then his relationship with yondu i really thought you really got to see emotion from him too you know whereas he's always just kind of been like a doof in a lot of things or you know the fun loving guy and so it's kind of cool i guess i didn't see passengers but you know, um, you're I, not missing much. I know a lot of people's problem with like Jurassic World is he was kind of there wasn't much chemistry between him and you know Bryce Dallas Howard, and he you know like he was a little, a little stiff or things like that. But I really thought you got to see him kind of show another level to himself in this, and I I really I really enjoyed that how that all came full circle, and and Michael Rooker was just awesome in this movie. I really. I really enjoyed him even more in this movie. Um, and I'll never stop laughing at when he goes, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> Did you hear about the petition to get him into the next Mary Poppins movie oh, now? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gal. How funny is that? Which, don't do that. That's just dumb. But it's funny. that Hey, it is a trying. Disney movie. Yeah, that's why we- they think weird- it'll happen. Weirder things have happened, y'all. It's true. Weir- weirder things have happened. Yes, weirder things have happened. But I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Michael Rooker would probably be up for it, but I don't know if Disney is. <laughs> so uh, kind of maybe final thoughts mixed with your grade of this movie, Dakota. What are your final letter thoughts? Letter grade? Yeah, letter grade. No, uh, final thoughts. You know, this movie was definitely really fun and enjoyable, and I I kind of want to see it again. Uh, yeah, I'm with it, you. Because even if it requires me getting Mandy's, whatever that song was. Brandy. S- Brandy stuck in my head all day again. <laughs> You're a fine girl. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, but I really don't have any complaints. Um, there was actually a scene in this movie that kind of kind of uh, made a couple scenes that makes fun of this guy named Taserface. And that was awesome because, you know, back where I grew up, a lot of people have nicknames, and you got you got people who try to come up with these tough sounding nicknames, <laughs> like Tank or Dozer, Laser, Laser, Blazer, Taser. You all know my assistant, Michelle. But uh, yeah, it's just oh, so much parts of this movie just crack me up. Yeah, um, Rocket, like trying to not laugh every time they said <laughs> Taser Face, was pretty great. 
Yeah, I loved Michael Rooker. I never thought I'd say this. I loved Michael Rooker in this movie. I'm right there with you, and I loved him and Sylvester Sloan getting some scenes together first time since Cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> this movie used like an old classic song from the 50s. Uh, Yondu gets locked up and he escapes and essentially goes on a killing spree, which normally I'm like, oh, man, this is pretty violent, but I was <laughs> laughing my laughing my uh yeah that yeah <laughs> my butt off at this i i i go back and forth in that scene because like that was pretty violent <laughs> but yeah it, it was, was it, it was, was done so tongue-in-cheek you kind of are forgiving <laughs> yeah I, I mean there's there's a few moments in this movie that just kind of i don't know muddle muddle the greatness <laughs> i i don't know i can't believe I'm, I'm comparing saying that this film achieves greatness it doesn't but it's just fun yeah right and can't wait to see it again yeah and so uh, what's your what's your grade oh man i think i think i'm going b plus okay now i i'll admit that uh as I was watching it, I was unsure how I was feeling about it. And even when it was over, I was unsure exactly how I was feeling about it. Other than I knew I I had a good time and, and, and liked it and or, you know liked a lot of aspects of it anyway. I'm kind of glad that we had a few days after, you know, I saw it a few days ago. And I'm glad I had those few days where he talked about it. Because able, me, able, able, bleh, able for me to come around and just be like, I really enjoyed that. It was a really good, fun movie. Yeah, some um, movies I think work best when you you kind of digest them yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because because it's not like this movie had a lot of puzzle pieces that that I had to put together. But at the same time, I think I left like unsure about everything I saw. And then, like I said, when I realized that the movie was really about family on every level of what that means, and thinking about what they did with that, and thinking about how all these characters were, and realizing that every character, like. You knew who they were. You knew their intentions. You understood them, even the ones that seemed slightly one-dimensional, like maybe the Sovereign. But you still kind of understood where they were coming from. Uh, that doesn't happen very much anymore, especially in the big blockbusters where they're like, look at all these cool special effects. And so that's why I, why I say, yeah, maybe he did make a bigger movie, but at the same time, he remembered not to lose everybody in the midst of that. Yeah, I think... Maybe he figured out the key, you know. If you're going to go bigger, you might you got to go deeper. I mean, yeah. Drax is like the only one here who I don't think has kind of that moment where he's like delving into himself like Yeah, and he got it, he kind of got it more in the first one. Yeah. And and now I think yeah, he was maybe the one who maybe got a little bit lost in this movie in terms of those types of things. I guess I was just surprise but i i realized part of it was that even though these characters are ones that nobody really knew before 2014 although i did meet a guy today who was like yeah i'm excited to see it i used to read guardians of the galaxy back in the 70s and like oh wow like when it was pretty new because i think guardians of the galaxy started in like 69 so the end credit scene will just blow his mind yeah probably the real one the, the, the real one yeah uh so there, I mean, there are those people, but for the most part, like we didn't really know who these people were. Like you, you saw hints of them on certain animated shows, you know, or something, but nothing too much. Um, but it's cool that even though they're kind of bizarre and they're in goofy movies that are a little out there, that you really end up caring a lot about them. 
and one of them is a CGI tree, and one of them is a CGI <laughs> raccoon. Trash Panda. Trash Panda. Is that a good nickname? <laughs> uh, no. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that that's just really cool. And so, that being said, when I put all that together, I realized I loved it. It was great. Yeah. It was great. And, uh, and I, was, I was very happy to finally kind of come to that conclusion when I was like, I think I liked it. And so, kind of putting that all together... I guess uh, it's hard hard to know exactly where I'd put it, but it's probably in that B B plus, which is bad because there we are agreeing again on something. But it's tough because Dakota and I both enjoy these types of movies. You can go A minus. I mean, and the, well, I I can't go. I I I, I treasure the A minus for things <laughs> that really probably should get an A minus, um, or protected, I should say. So uh, that yeah, that being said, that's that's kind of where I'm at with that, and so. I, I would really encourage you, this was a fun one to see on the big screen, too. That was a lot of fun um, to enjoy that aspect. Didn't see it in 3D. Dakota, did you see it in 3D? No, I generally try to avoid 3D. I do, too, for the most part. I've rarely seen a movie that's been like, well, I'm glad I saw that in 3D. Maybe never that's happened to me. Uh, only one time for me. That was Avatar. Oh, okay. But that's what it was. That's what the film was yeah, essentially made to do. Is yeah, look right. Three D. It was the experience movie, right? Yeah. So that one, I guess. But I, I, I avoided the Avatar craze in that in that time period. Um, it's gonna happen again here soon when we get eighteen more of those. But we'll put that aside for now uh, and just talk about how. Yeah, we we both saw two D anyway, and it was a lot of fun. And stay through the credits, you know, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Like I said, I guess if you haven't seen it, sorry. We tried to warn you. <laughs> we talked about a lot of aspects of it in this movie. That would kind of be a bummer for you. But other than that, uh, we hope you are uh, checking us out on ooh, checking us out <laughs> on uh, Facebook and Twitter. We're in those places. So if you'd like and like and follow us on those places, that'd be awesome. Um, to do that, it's where we put stuff about our show. But we also put different movie news things on there. Uh, lately, I know we've put up some new trailers that have come out and different casting choices that have come for big movies. And so you can always check those out through uh, through those places. And then also, uh, if you want to subscribe to us, on, uh, we put our podcast up on YouTube and iTunes and, and uh, Stitcher and those types of places. So, yeah, we hope you're doing that. kind of means a lot to us when we see you doing that. And it just kind of inspires us to keep going on. But we hope you enjoyed this episode uh, where we talked about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. What a fun ride it was, even though Dakota got that song stuck in his head (laughs) and probably will now for the rest of his life because he'll probably watch this movie a few more times. You're a fine girl. (laughs) Oh, wow. I didn't know your voice could go that high. Oh, man. You should know. I have... Anything but a bass voice. I I have maybe what is more called the voice of a tenor. I mean, let's put it that way. So, uh, yeah, so thanks for listening. And uh, we enjoyed having you here. You were great company. Um, You were very quiet, though. So, but you can always talk to us back through those places like Facebook and Twitter. So we hope you do that. But thanks for listening to this episode. Have fun this summer at the movies and we'll bring you some more uh movies coming this summer we're hoping to do a review of alien covenant soon 
when that comes out. Um, This week, I think. Yeah, we're kind of tentatively excited about what that movie could do. We'll see what happens. We're we're holding our our we're holding it in reserve though. Yeah, we're kinda like uh we're kinda like one of those confetti guns where they have to be twisted to shoot out <laughs> where it's like you know, it's gonna it's a controlled excitement. We'll just put it that way. So we'll see what happens. Uh but that'll that will probably be our next new movie review we do. So hopefully we'll bring that to you sooner than later. But until then, we'll catch you later. This is Steven. And this is Dakota. Adios. Adios.